Layoffs are an unfortunate reality in today's market, and impacted workers can spend days, weeks, or even months looking for a new role. After submitting hundreds of resumes into the void, maybe it's time to try something new. This is The Layoff Podcast. everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the layoff podcast i am your host marissa alonzo ackerman and welcome to season two we actually made it through season one we had such a journey with all the job seekers out there and we really appreciate all the support that we've had so far all our listeners to everyone that has contributed any type of resources we want to thank you and we're very excited to share a new batch of job seekers starting with caleb roll today caleb how are you welcome to the show Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to to talk job hunting as well. And absolutely appreciate you having me on for season two. And congratulations on a successful season one as well. Well worth the listen for those who have not. Thank you, Caleb. And just to start, just so that way our listeners can understand a little bit more about you, tell us in a nutshell who you are and what you're looking for out of here and, and what you're just generally looking for right now. I know obviously you've been impacted by layoffs, correct? Absolutely correct. And at the previous company, there were a, a few rounds of layoffs. Uh, it was a bit of a post M&A type of situation. And unfortunately, I and some of my team were uh, part of the second or third round of that. My background is over a decade within marketing, primarily in the B2B space. So very much not sort of a B2C marketer, but I'm used to longer sales cycles, higher ACV deals. And so the next step really, you know, hopefully looks at one of kind of two lenses. Number one is stepping back into a management role directly. I grew to directly manage a team of three, and I really enjoyed the people management component of that. In addition to being a hands-on marketer myself in that role out of necessity, uh, but I'm absolutely willing to take a step down if I need to back into a marketing manager type role or even senior marketing manager and work my way back up. The biggest thing for me is, and I'm a bit of a type A go-getter. It's just how I'm wired. And so I love being able to kind of set a goal and then try to drive towards it is, all right, can I get back to the director of marketing level role? Because I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. And I'd, I'd certainly like to be able to do more of that. So that is the long-term goal, but willing to do a couple of short-term steps to get there if necessary. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Many of the job seekers that we have spoken to that were kind of in similar situations where they had made it to a specific kind of role, that, something that they had targeted for a long time. It is hard to kind of go backwards, right? So I think it's great that you have that focus, that you're still thriving. You mentioned that you had survived three, two or three rounds of layoffs. And I think we've actually seen a lot of people in those similar boats. Would you say there's anything that you noticed as either red flags or how would you, someone in the position uh, that you are now, you know, how would you tell someone looking back, like what to look out for? So this is interesting because there was, it was out of the blue in terms mm -hmm. of, of when the restructuring was maybe told to me, I was one minute preparing for a one-on-one -on -one with my CMO. The next minute I'm on a call with HR and kind of went, whoa, uh, <laughs> did not see this coming, but in hindsight and with the benefit of hindsight, it, it's always 2020. There were maybe some red flags, such as uh, internal communications had had seemed to slow a little bit. I seemed to have a little bit more time to to attack 
some of the problems that I and the team were working on. There were some underlying, maybe chaos might be too strong of a word, but there was disruption. And I think I wasn't as aware or as inquisitive about, oh, what are some of these aftershocks of, hey, this, this M&A becoming official as maybe I needed to be. Uh, and I had friends in, in other parts of the business who had advocated for my previous promotion into the director of marketing role. And I didn't pick their brains enough or get a sense of, hey, what are other parts of the business doing? Because I uh. think there was a sense of maybe, oh, there, there's you know, just lots of change and lots of innovation yeah. and lots of company trying to grow. It's not necessarily all bad, but you know, what's going on. And I think I became a little too siloed in my thinking, or, I mean, I got thrown into the fire, uh, you know, yeah. in, in a few ways. And so I was hanging on for dear life for a few months. And then by the time I came up for air, then the restructuring was, was almost in place already. So I, you know, the biggest question I would, I would tell people to ask is, okay, who are your friends? Yeah. Pick their brains, uh, you know, just in a confidential one-on-one -on -one setting from time to time. Hey, I'm thinking and feeling this internally. Are yeah. you, are you seeing this or am I, is my gut check completely wrong? And these, these should be, you know, trusted confidants who know where, where your, your skeletons are buried uh, within the company, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's a really good point. And it's something that I've learned as well as you as like or throughout my career, it does seem, and it sounds like a lot of people experience this in business or wherever you work, departments kind of tend to keep to themselves. You know, each I, I've been on the sales side, I've been on the marketing side. Yes, they were encouraged to work together at lots of companies, but they didn't necessarily do that all the time. And I think it's like you said, it's siloed. You're usually in communication with the department that you're with. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying and that making sure you have that type of communication between each other, or at least for your own self, making that your goal is to do that, you know, for your own self. So that way you can advocate for yourself later. Although, like you mentioned, of course, in certain cases, sometimes even advocating for yourself at the end of the day doesn't help. But at least you have an idea going forward, like, hey, okay, there's a trend here. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start looking for something else or, or preparing in some way. That's a great tip, I, I believe. And with the layoff, can you tell me a little bit, how has it personally affected you? Is there anything that you have felt about the layoff? I mean, obviously we all have our own feelings, but I always like to allow job seekers to share because it is a big pivotal moment for everybody. And we've seen a lot of trends coming out of that experience. Yeah, it's how can you not be impacted, right? And I think that's if anybody's listening who's in a similar boat, it's normal. It's normal to, to, to be impacted and in many deep personal ways. Myself has been multiple months at this point. And, you know, I alluded earlier, I'm a type A go-getter. Well, what happens when you have nothing to get? Mm. It can send you in a bit of a spiral. I have a couple of young kids and, you know, fortunately I've been able to spend more time with them. My wife of over 10 years, maybe she wants me to go away from time to time. She's <laughs> like, no, no, really. Cause she was an extrovert until she married me. And now she, I, think <laughs> I turned her into an introvert. That's how extroverted I am. Um, but, you know, there have been bouts of sometimes depression. Absolutely. Yeah. Where it's, it's maybe mild, but it's like, look, kids, I know you want daddy to go play shark or you want, you know, my five-year-old's really into Spider-Man, um, yeah. you know, right now. And so, oh, wow. I, I don't want to pretend to be stuck to a wall. I just need <laughs> the process. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes you don't even realize what the impact is, you know, and I'm fortunate that I had a side hustle and that's kind of spun up a little bit more where I still have some clients mm -hmm. and sharpening the saw with that. But 
mentally it's been taxing because number one, I'm the sole provider for the family. We mm. chose to do that a few years ago. My wife uh, was a marketing professional as well, but she had expressed an interest in being a stay-at-home mom. And so when we, a few years ago, moved to a more expensive area in the state of Georgia, which is where I am, she just said, hey, if it works, if the numbers work, I would love to do this. It was her choice and I fully supported yeah. it. And oh my goodness, now with two in the house, am I so thankful <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that she is the backbone of this family uh, yes. in many, many ways. But the impact falls on her too. And especially, you know, there's that worry, wait, now my husband or, you know, and and in my case, you know, me personally, it's going, okay, but that additional pressure is on. And there's a bit of a road to nowhere because for months, we're we're over a couple of hundred rejections at this point. I'm not the type who will just throw out an application willy nilly, but it does wear you down especially when you have that additional responsibility to the wife and the kids. And and they're the ones that are impacted, especially when I'm impacted, whether it's mentally or physically or spiritually or or what have you, that weighs on everybody. Yeah, no, I think that is insightful. And I'm curious too, because I know you're saying like, obviously you've had a few, you know, hundred resumes. This is not uncommon. We're hearing this everywhere. People are like, hey, I am putting hundreds, thousands even of resumes, especially if you're have been on a, a long period of time having to search. What does that look like exactly for you? Have you had many interviews? And when you do interviews, there's certain things. What would you change, I guess, is the real question about this whole job placement hiring process that we have today? Potentially a loaded question uh, because there's <laughs> right? so many different aspects. There's so many different aspects to it that I probably would would change. I mean, tactically speaking, I would ditch cover letters entirely. Yes. Uh, <laughs> half the people are having AI write them at this point. I've seen prompts out there where they write pretty dang good ones. And so, is yeah. that a real differentiator at this point, or is this just a waste of time? I would also, having written and posted multiple job requirements. There's so many job recs out there that are me, me, me. And by what I mean by that is they're so company centric. Here's four paragraphs of what the company is about. And now here, here's what we're looking for. And then if you scroll all the way down and if your eyes haven't glazed over by this point, here's what <laughs> you'll get. And it's like, t- flip it around when I've written it. And I got positive feedback from job applicants on this, which is, okay, three sentences on what we're on kind of general, what we're looking for. Here's what you get. Here's what working here is like, the tools maybe that you'll work with as well, which matter for marketing. I was hiring a web person, so the tech stack was very important. Okay, now here's some of the stuff that we're looking for and the interviews as well, I I would say. uh, I like starting off with, okay, you may have questions already. Let's make sure we address those before I ask you anything because nobody loves having a job interview where you have two seconds to ask one question at the end. So that to me, and if there was one thing I could wave a magic marketing wand and fix, it would be duplicate listings on LinkedIn, where yes. you see the same company for the same listing, but it's in a different city. And you see about 25 of those. And you're just like, you know, I'm out. I'm good. I'm done searching for today. It's time. Uh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to log off for, for the day. That would just be a few that, that come top of mind. Yeah. And I can say just coming from the space of job ad software services, what you're saying is actually really true. And I probably shouldn't tell people the secret that they're doing out there, but they are duplicating because it is another form of advertising, right? They want you to see the job first. They're going to flood you with the same title, but in written in different ways. Um, you know, not much unlike marketing, we do the same things in a way for businesses, but I feel you because I've been at a place that I don't even want to apply at the moment. It is 
interesting. But what I'll do right now, I'm going to do a quick break and we'll come right back to our conversation with Caleb. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, Win Every Interview. As the global performance coach that built the onboarding and performance acceleration programs for Wayfair, Airbnb, and many more, owner Sarah Flip knows firsthand what your future employer expects and how to help you prove you're the best and only fit for the job. She's here to give you your power back. Win Every Interview is a resource to help job seekers take control of their career. With her program, you'll learn how to create endless opportunities to effortlessly and confidently win the job you want, prove you're a top producer from day one, live a life by design free from worry, fear, or financial difficulty, and belong to a huge community here to support you every step of the way. Check out winevereinterview.com to learn more. And we're back and Caleb and I were having a good discussion, I think so far. We've covered already you know, how this has impacted him, what he would like to see different with the hiring process, although we could probably go on forever and ever on what that looks like. I know you said you were working on some projects earlier in the show. Can you tell us on what you're working on currently and how you've kind of pivoted your time during the time period that you have right now? Absolutely. So, uh, and appreciate that, the the airtime for this. So, uh, and this is actually something I've done since 2019, which was very handy when 2020, our second child was born because it helped pay the bills, but it's just, it's more marketing, which I guess tells you that I love what I do in marketing because that that was my day job and my night job. (laughs) Uh, You know, when you enjoy something, uh, right, you just can't get away from it. And it's more targeted towards smaller businesses. There might be some medium-sized businesses as well. Uh, There's certainly some, it's more of marketing consulting. For instance, I have a couple of clients who I'm doing performance marketing for one. They haven't really had that well optimized in the past. And it's, uh, and then we have another who doing a lot of search engine optimization, potentially overlaying some performance marketing on it. And then a third actually building a website. It's, it's a small uh, thing for a friend who they're, they're launching a new side business and they need Mm. some you know, basic marketing collateral around that. Within all of that, there's also uh, the ability to give feedback on a lot of different components. And that's, you know, getting to the pivoting part. One aspect that I've really enjoyed is being able to give back a little bit. I'm actually become a member over at Exit5, which is a B2B marketing community. I'm really finding that valuable, but also sometimes people ask for feedback or sometimes people are asking for input on a new idea. And if it makes sense for me to dive in, I'll just record a Loom video uh, and just walk Ooh. them through what I'm thinking, feeling, and seeing. And people are finding that valuable. But at the same time, it's sharpening my skill set because I'm looking at something brand new, potentially tangentially related to what I do now. And I'm saying, okay, what makes sense here? What doesn't make sense here? Oh, wait. And then in the back of my mind, I'm going, wait, am I doing this on, on something on my own website? Oh, I am. Let me go look at this. <laughs> and so it helps it helps me get out of my own head a little bit by looking at, at somebody else's stuff. And then even with ChatGPT, and uh, and I've even made fun of, of some of the adoption of it at times, but there are places where it makes sense to do. And so experimenting a little bit with, there's an old project that I haven't worked on in a few years. I'm working on it now. There's a lot of content marketing. Well, one component of it is letter grades. All right, well, mm. instead of me taking a data set of 35 letter grades, hey, ChatGPT, if you use this, 4.25 for A plus, tell me what the average is. Bam, done. I've just saved myself gobs of hours, right? So learning little places where it does make sense to incorporate AI into my workflows to make me a more efficient marketer. I love that. And I think that's great. You sound like someone that 
like I mentioned, you know, you're very passionate about what you do and what you're doing. And it really shines through. I think that's something I've seen as a trend with everybody is that, you know, we are in the careers we are in because we do generally like working and if we're in a place for a really long time, there's a reason and, and you found your place. So yeah, I am excited. I hope that this either become, are you looking for this to grow? And would you be interested in staying in that realm? Or are you still kind of wanting to go towards maybe hopefully working for a company that fits what you're looking to do? I think I'm at a, at a watershed moment with yeah. this, where if two or three more clients come in, then the numbers may work out that doing it full-time makes sense. The goal right now is FTE work for two reasons. Number one, yeah, there's the financial component where, and I am hardcore budgeting, will never be over budget. My mother at work, works in a bank and has forever. So she'll she'll drive down to my house and throw me, you know, <laughs> up against the wall and say, "What do you mean you're over budget?" Like like yeah. that, that's you know, the That's great to have though. Uh, you know, yeah, it, everyone it, needs someone of that in their life. <laughs> amen to that. It, it it has served me well, uh certainly um uh, in multiple aspects. But when you're a solopreneur, you learn and you sharpen many different skills. And I'm not sure, I mean, some of those skills I've sharpened as the side hustle, right? Selling, for instance, mm -hmm. project management, you certainly sharpen that, especially when I've pulled in outsourced contractors to, to help with some things that I either can't get to, or I'm just not the right person to do. And those are maybe better at my day job. However, I, I do think in regards to sales enablement and in, in regards to overall business impact, when you have a $15 million, a $50 million, a $150 million bogey of $2 billion you know, bogey that your company is trying to hit, I don't think solopreneur life would be able to get me where I want to go. And yeah. refining those skills, I have enough where I'm going to impact immediately, but the growth is clearly there as well. Because one day, and we're talking one day, like 10, 15, 20 years, I would love to take a look at being a member of the C-suite where it's maybe a chief marketing officer. Yes. That appeals to me. Again, you know, I played chess. I've played it since I was four. I'm always uh, towards strategic elements, whether it's a game, whether it's my kids, you know, homework in kindergarten. Like if there's any yeah. sort of strategy, I'm like, hey, that looks kind of interesting. Getting to maybe that level, again, a long way off, but that seems more interesting to me long-term because of the type of work. And so yeah. a, a long answer to the short question, which was I think <laughs> FTE work is really the the preference uh, yeah. right now for, for really the career growth. It's just higher level of interest for that long-term. Yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, for the meantime, you'll be working on your personal projects, but we really do hope that you can get into that. Obviously, this season that we're in is just incredibly curious. But as people that love strategy, it really, sometimes you look at it, and you're like, it's not that curious. There was lots of indicators post COVID that showed us that this is probably where we were going to end up anyways. I know there's a term going around. It's called the silent depression. Have you heard this yet? I've heard about it. I won't profess to be super knowledgeable. So can you explain for me and the masses what uh, Yes. What so, and basically what they're saying is right now we're seeing it to the likening of like the Great Depression with the economy and with the housing market. And I find it really fascinating. So I guess I say this only to say for anyone out there that is still being impacted by layoffs or whatever that restructuring looks like or whatever your situation is financially, you're not alone. I mean, I think we're all kind of in the same boat as the average workers that we are. And I know 
in season one, we had M. Noah come on and she said, it doesn't matter. It, this is affecting everyone from entry level all the way up to the vice president level. She actually was in the vice president level herself or was a member of the C-suite. So I think it's just crazy. I know right now as we are actually recording, we are in the midst of what would be typically called the September surge, which is basically where you would see a lot more job seekers get into the job that they are looking for. So this is coming out after that. So I really hope that that did happen, but I know we're going to touch or we did touch on that at the end of season one. So yes, I was just uh, curious and and picking your brain and, and seeing, I guess, what everyone else was hearing, but I love hearing your story. I love what you're doing. I think you're a very passionate individual, very resilient. And I think anyone that's able to come on a podcast to meet with me and I, you don't know me. Thank you. What? Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, but also it shows like, you know, you're a go-getter. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I think about it at the end of the day. So is there any, uh, I guess, ending thoughts, Kayla, that you have for the listeners, either about who you are, what you're doing, or even just any other like tips, tricks, anything that you want to share with our viewers? So two thoughts, very divergent. The first is back to your comment about, wow, you're clearly passionate. You know, even I used to hoop it up from time to time and I've always found myself as a bit of a glue guy, right? So if if you understand basketball, you have five players on the court, but it usually works best when one person is not trying to be the dominant alpha, but is instead, Mm. okay, let me set the screen. Let me do the backdoor cut. Let me get the opening. Let me make the extra pass. Essentially, if I'm doing my role well, everybody else's roles get easier and more effective. Mm. And that's kind of how marketing operates. Sales gets much more effective if marketing is acting as the glue guy or glue girl. Same thing with customer retention, customer success. IT, hello, (laughs) the backbone and underappreciated aspect of any organization, even administrative levels, you know, and and the list goes on. So that's probably why I've kind of fallen into it and and, and really enjoy it because as a person that's sort of, you know, even when I'm playing pickleball, uh, which doubles is more popular than singles, If I play with a random person, my initial instinct is, okay, read my partner and understand how he or she plays. I'm going to adapt to how that plays. I'm Mm. a pilot of level I can do that, but there's just an adaptation. It's constant adaptation. And really as a job seeker, that's, that's kind of what you're doing, right? Oh, this gap in my resume doesn't make sense. Or, oh, I thought, you know, my first resume I thought was good. I got some good feedback on it. And I'd say, you know, six, you know, six, seven months ago when, when, when I had that resume, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, yeah. So it's not good at Been all. Been there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's, four it's, times because you're like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other, you know, and, and just the practical tip that I would say is if, you know, my wife and I for many years, have, we have a Google sheet. It's our living, breathing budget. Uh, we have mm. one tab for all the income, for all the monthly have-to-have expenses. And, and you know, anybody familiar with the budget understands how it works. Yes. And then we have a tab for every month. It's an expense tracker. So as soon as we spend money, it goes into a place and then we know exactly how much money is left over. Have you gone through that? You know, Do you have that system in place, number one? If you don't, you may be hemorrhaging more money than you think. Yeah. And so you need to ha- ha- keep track of every dollar. Now's the time to fix that. If you do have this, have you been able to pare down the budget here and there? We're fairly lean on our end. There wasn't much we needed to change, but okay, yeah. what's the new number now based on XYZ, PDQ, and ABC? So now my wife and I are very aligned, uh, even as we're in this season of life where there's still uncertainty, but we can both anchor ourselves to that financial number because we are both in agreement as to what it is. And we've done the homework to understand what our needs are and 
have an emergency savings fund. Thankfully, we had that. We are still working off of that. We understand, all right, where's the drop dead? Where do I have to take whatever? Where, you know, we have that yeah. mapped out because of a lot of uh, pre-planning already. Yes. And actually, Caleb, you just reminded me, I got to do this budget thing myself as far <laughs> as writing it down. I will say, I mean, you're right. I, I genuinely know what that looks like, but sometimes when you see it on paper or Google sheet, where have you, you're right. It, it is very insightful. We've done it in the past, but I think my husband and I, I my uh, recordings today, I know what I'm going to be working on because that is <laughs> very true. Very much facts. I think uh, that's good advice for anyone, even outside of layoffs. Just generally, like if you're entering the workforce, if you're not in the workforce, if you're whoever you are, you, you'll be surprised. Everything's on, we pay with cards for everything. Everything's on an app. I mean, they're smart. They were smart when they did when they invented the square and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's great advice, Caleb. I really appreciate you being on the show. What is your favorite strategy game? Mine is Stratego. Are you a fan? Oh, I grew up playing it and I played yes. it a few months ago with my five-year-old for the first time. So hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> he thoroughly enjoyed knocking my pieces off the board yeah. anytime his, his number was lower. If for those who don't know what Stratego is, you're missing out. It's a very old school game. Yeah. Uh, chess is definitely my go-to. board game but, if they uh, are not familiar with board games. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it, it is a board game. Yes, there is the digital <laughs> version, of course, but uh, yeah. I, I do enjoy some chess uh, as well. And my wife and I found... Uh, it's called Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, it's for two mm. players. I found it in Goodwill, which I, I love thrifting anyway. Yeah. Uh, especially when buying clothes for little ones who grow out of them three weeks later. And uh, that that has been really fun. And my wife, who is maybe not the biggest into like chess or that type of game, uh, consistently schools me. So that has been an enjoyable challenge where she holds it over me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once we find something that we can do that, <laughs> that'd be me and my husband too. But no, this has been really fun, Caleb. Uh, again, we appreciate your time today. For anyone out there that has connections for him in your network, or if you're a recruiter or a company that are, is listening to our podcast, hopefully, because it is insightful. We're not, we're here to hopefully bridge the gap between us all <laughs> and get us in a better place. Please reach out to him. He's on LinkedIn. He'll be on the open to work section of our website. And then you'll probably see a bunch of his marketing little materials because we're also going to give him those as well. So, Caleb, thanks so much. And this has been your latest episode of the Layoff Podcast. The Layoff Podcast is hosted by me, Marissa Alonzo Ackerman, with production by Abel Ozuna and editing help from Lauren Lynch. Our music is by J.A.K. The views and opinions expressed in the show are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on LinkedIn at The Layoff Podcast, and you can connect with our guests or apply to be a guest on our website at www.thelayoffpod.com. Thank you.